Welcome to What's Working in Washington. I'm Jonathan Aberman. Today, the road to selling a company for $100 million. When I wasn't the bottle washer and the software developer and the uh, patent guy, uh, and I learned instead to hire a seasoned CFO, a seasoned COO, a seasoned CMO. It took the business to a whole different trajectory. Many people talk about cybersecurity as an industry that holds great promise for the D.C. region. A recent reminder that you can grow a great cybersecurity product company and reach an exit and then join your company with larger ones. It's a very important opportunity for many of us here in the region. No better emblematic person to talk about this is Anoop Ghosh. He's the founder and CEO of Invincia, a man I've known a long time. You've come a long way, Anoop. Congratulations on your exit. Thank you, Jonathan. Uh, really appreciate it. And like you said, we've known each other a long time. We've been talking about how do you start and grow a company in this region, given the challenges and, and also the opportunities. So I'm really excited. Well, we're really excited for you. And looking at your life path here, it seems to me, Anoop, that you took the opportunities in front of you to grow a business based upon available resources. Tell all of us how you went about building your business with the advantages of doing it here in D.C. Sure. And it's a different playbook, if you will, than what you might find in a Silicon Valley company. So a little bit about me. I spent a few years at a private company doing software security uh, pre 9-11. And uh, after 9-11 happened, uh, the director of DARPA, uh, Defense Advanced Research Projects Agency, asked me to come in and go work for DARPA for four years. And it was a period of time which, you know, all of us remember as a very, very tough period of time. And I personally was wondering, what am I doing, right? And what am I doing for my country? Uh, so the call was was very strong. And I spent four years at DARPA doing some really cool things in cyber. Uh, just like the rest of the nation, we were on a war footing. And it was really about how do we develop the tools and technologies to go on offense in, in the in the war. And so I spent four years building capabilities for the nation that allowed us to get into other people's networks. And uh, in the process of doing that, I learned that we were as vulnerable in our own defenses as our adversaries were. So it was, it was the proverbial throwing stones from a glass house. And uh, so when I left DARPA, and DARPA is a, is a stint, it's a limited term. So part of the beauty of the place is people come in and then they have to leave. So I really like that. And when I left, I started an R&D company. And uh, a lot of, in a lot of ways, like you might find other companies around here doing R&D for DARPA, but in this case, trying to develop defenses that would overcome the vulnerabilities in our defenses. And you look at yourself at a university rather than starting a company or going and joining a consulting company. Why did you do it that way? That's, that's a great point. So I, jo I joined George Mason University as research faculty, which is another way of saying I didn't have to teach. Always uh, good. <laughs> so I, I enjoy teaching, but not as Me a too. course load, right? So mm -hmm. I'll, I enjoy uh, you know, being a guest lecturer, but I don't want the responsibility of, of running a class. And um, it was great because I got to do what I really loved doing, which was innovative research, work with students, and uh, really push the edge of technology. And I already had a vision for what I wanted to do. And Mason was a great place to go do it at. And they, they totally supported entrepreneurial efforts and still continue to today. So one of my big issues as I think about economic development in this region, something you and I have talked about many times uh, in other places, is the difference between providing 
technology through a service model where you do billable hours or provide it as a product, you could have taken a direction different places. Why did you decide to do the atypical thing, which is why did you decide to start a product company rather than a, a service company here? Yeah, I, I saw the opportunity. I don't know that I necessarily said, oh, I want to build a product company versus services. I just saw the opportunity to solve a really important problem. And the problem was, how do we defend against the attacks that were not only coming against the U.S. government, which I had uh, classified information on, but also the attacks that were being launched against our commercial firms, including critical infrastructures like banks and telcos. And uh, the only way to do that, I couldn't do it as a person, right? I would have to build a company, and the company would have to build a set of products that, to go defend these networks. So that was really the motivation uh, later came the, oh, this is a scalable model. Uh, this is one where you can scale revenue on product sales versus people. If you were going to do it now, what would be the pros and cons starting a technology product company here in the D.C. region in comparison to, say, one of the other places that's better known for technology products like a Silicon Valley or a, or a Boston? It's a great question. I mean, we have some unique strengths in this area and probably the strongest of which is people. Uh, so we've got incredible depth in the bench in cybersecurity. Most of these people, though, are locked up in services companies, right? So you'd have to kind of pull them out of defense-type companies and put them into a product company, which is a different mentality. Um, you know, the economics are very different. I, I won't lie. Uh, we raise probably half or a quarter of the venture capital here in this region as as we would have if we were out west in Silicon Valley. Uh, but that money does come with a price. Mm -hmm. um, and, and outcomes are slightly different as well. So, you know, there's more access to capital in Silicon Valley. There's more uh, access to buyers in Silicon Valley. So your, your exit opportunities, I think, are, are larger. And, of course, you have seasoned executives out in Silicon Valley. And you have fewer of those when it comes to startups in, in this region. Mm -hmm. uh, having said all that, I think this is an amazing region for finding technical talent and also customers as well. So you can build a successful company here, but you'll have to build it a little bit differently than out in Silicon Valley. I would argue that for your entrepreneurial journey, in a lot of ways, Uncle Sam was your angel investor. He was in many ways. You know, to continue the story I started, we started with an R&D company funded by SBIRs, right? Uh, Small Business Innovation Research Grants. And so uh, the government did fund their early IP development through this SBIR program, which is another way of bootstrapping uh, your company. And we got it to a point where it was a good enough prototype to take to the venture community. And they said, wow, this is a really interesting and different approach to solving a very important problem in a billion dollar market, right? And uh, so it was a great way of bootstrapping uh, without taking dilution early, right? Um, and it is a very different model than what you find out uh, out in Silicon Valley. So you've reached a moment in time that many entrepreneurs, most entrepreneurs, look for and hope for that moment where your business is valuable enough to another company that they decide to acquire your business. So that's a great moment. And I would assume it's a time of reflection. As you look over the last how many years of your life, what is the thing that's been the most surprising to you about this entrepreneurial journey for you? It's, it's strange because you learn a lot about yourself and you face incredible challenges as you build a company. And probably, you know, the thing I learned most was I couldn't do it myself. Um, 
you know, when I started to hire a, a seasoned group of executives around me, that's when the business really changed its trajectory. When I wasn't the bottle washer and the software developer and the, uh, the uh, patent guy uh, and managing people, uh, and I learned instead to hire a seasoned CFO, a seasoned COO, a seasoned CMO. It took the business to a whole different trajectory. And these people are much better at their jobs than I ever will be, right? So it was putting faith in other people that allowed me to scale the business and, and it was returned as well. So I think it is all about building great teams. And what we learned along the way was we had the wrong product, right? Uh, but we had the right team and the right team came up with the right product for the market. And that's how we were able to, to get to scale and get to a successful outcome. For those of you listening who are involved in knowledge work, maybe in a government agency or just trying to figure out how to change the world, here's another opportunity for you to see what happens when you jump in and get your hands dirty. <laughs> New coach, founder and CEO of Invincia, congratulations on your exit and continued success. Thanks for joining us. Thanks, John. If you have an idea for something that we should shine a spotlight on, don't forget to reach out to us at, at What's Working DC. And don't forget to tell your friends you can always find our podcasts on iTunes. I'm Jonathan Aberman. Goodbye.